Hello, I'm Abigail James. Welcome to Knowing Me, Glowing You, the podcast that celebrates life's unique journeys. I want to inspire you wherever you are in your life, whether that be aging, career, family, or more internal goals of self-discovery. Each week, I will be chatting to different experts, shining a light on their knowledge and own unique journeys. Today, I'm chatting with Julie Montague. One time, you know, I left my four-year-old. I picked up the other two at the same school. I had kept getting unknown. Uh, it was unknown on my mobile phone. And I thought, I don't know what an unknown number is. I'm not going to answer it. It ended up being the school. It wasn't until 4.45 when my husband got a hold of me and said, I need you to look around. I think you forgot something. I'm looking around the house and I don't think I forgot anything. He said, you've actually forgotten a child. I first met Julie Montague, I think it was actually in 2016, maybe 2015, while I was an ambassador for Liz Earle Skincare. And Julie is one of those people who she just has this effervescent energy. You know, when Julie walks into a room, she lights up a room. And I knew her also because of her yoga and the well-being and the nutrition things. And I, I think Julie came in for a facial and we were sharing a book agent, actually. I think we had a similar book agent at the time. Julie was achieving amazing things back then, but oh my goodness, when I was kind of thinking, right, how do I introduce Julie on, on my podcast? I, I started Googling and there is actually a Wikipedia page about Julie, which gives us an idea about Julie Montague. So an official title is Viscountess Hitchingbrook. She now has her own TV series, YouTube channel, four books out. She teaches yoga. She runs retreats. Also with their home called Mapperton. I know that they're now running weddings from there. So Julie is just one of those characters with a real can-do and I'm going to achieve character. So I am so excited to welcome you, Julie, to the podcast. Well, thank you, Abigail. That was just way too kind. And I, I always wonder who writes these Wikipedia pages. You know, sometimes I want to go in there and edit it myself <laughs> because I'm like, I don't know if that's all true, but, but yeah, I have no idea. But yeah, you're right. You know, speaking of facials, Abigail, A, I need to book in another one. But yeah, equally, Abigail, you have done a gazillion things since we last saw each other in 2015 or 2016. The busy ladies. And interesting, <laughs> I think, yeah, that's an understatement, I think. Yeah. And I think even though both of us are in the well-being and holistic field, fundamentally we're business women. We are. Yeah, you know, hustling and doing our thing. So as much as I've given you that little bit of an intro and people can Wikipedia you as well, I would love for those who maybe who don't know who you are. And I also find it's always lovely to hear someone tell their own story in a nutshell or it would be you know I'd, I'd really appreciate if you could just share a little bit about where you've come from the journey and kind of where you are now yeah no no of course and maybe somebody listening to this can sort of update the wikipedia page <laughs> after hearing me no obviously you can tell by my accent that i am american so born and raised in a small town outside chicago and then moved over here, not because I wanted to, but because I had a job over here. 
And it was, I moved over way back when, you know, at the times that actually the food wasn't very good over here. Let's be honest. I think we can all, we all remember that time. And I thought, I don't think I can live here because, you know, the cheese is, is yellow, which actually, by the way, is the right color. Whereas I was used to growing up in America with Velveeta slices and the cheese is a bright orange. And I literally thought that was the color of cheese. And fast forward, I did marry into this sort of well-known, I think, English family, actually well-known family around the world because it's the Sandwich family. So that my husband's ancestor was the fourth Earl of Sandwich. In fact, my father-in-law is the current Earl of Sandwich, and he is the one who invented that snack that we all have. <laughs> what, a, what an amazing <laughs> heritage to the family. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is quite funny. I remember when my husband first told me that he, his father was the Earl of Sandwich and one day he would be the Earl of Sandwich. This is when we were dating. And I thought, no, 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 we've got to sit down and talk about this because I literally didn't know that these titles kind of carried on. But sure enough, here, here I am in England and in, and in Britain and the titles do carry on. I'm, I'm obviously a holder of one of them, that very, very long title, which I won't repeat again because the listeners will get so bored of it. <laughs> Amazing. So I, I know you, Julie, for obviously all of these things, but when we first connected all those years ago, it was the nutrition and the yoga. I'd love for you to just talk about your yoga journey do you know, it's so wonderful for me to sort of recount the sort of path that I've been on uh, with with yoga and with my well-being. You know, I started uh, my yoga practice, not my teaching, but my practice after my fourth was born. So I do have four children and my fourth was born 15 years ago. And you know, I had a little bit of a moment after my fourth was born. And I remember I was at Chelsea Westminster Hospital. I purposely booked uh, a meeting on October 17th because only 2% of women have their babies born on their due date. So I thought, I, and this is a big meeting. I'm going to book it on the 17th of October. I know I'm in and out of hospital because I had three other kids and they were luckily for me quite easy. So I booked it in and lo and behold, I go into labor late on the 16th of October. My fourth was born at 12 minutes past midnight on the 17th, but there was no way I was going to cancel that meeting. So I tried to get the pediatrician into the hospital the next morning to like, you know, make sure that I was all good. And then I could just be sent home. And my husband thought I was completely mad because I called everybody and said, I may have had the baby today, but I'm coming in for the meeting. And I think that was really the start of, I need to slow down and take a little bit of time out. And that's when I found yoga. It was almost forced on me that I needed to slow down about how crazy it was that I was actually going to go to a meeting less than 12 hours, nine hours after I had given birth to my fourth. That's what I was thinking. By the way, the, the meeting was canceled. Everybody thought I was bonkers. And they were like, we're, can't, we're rescheduling the meeting, Julie. But that's really where it started. And, and it's you know, formed and really shaped where I am today, my, my yoga career. So I ended up doing my teacher training back in my home country. So I went to New York um, and did teacher training there, but it was like in an intense one, you know, so I wouldn't have to be away from the kids for so long. I think it was about two weeks and it was very, very intense. 
and that was in 2009 when I first did my teacher training. So my youngest was born in 2006. And that's really where I think, well, obviously that's where my yoga career began was 2009 when I returned back from New York, having done my yoga teacher training and, and the rest is history, if you like, well, as far as yoga goes. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm actually just thinking about the fact that, you know, us trying to schedule this in today and we'd got it in the diary and, you know, last minute we'd got a message from you going, oh my goodness, I seriously, I can't do it. I've got to pick a child up, there's something. And then literally half an hour later, no, it's all on, it's good. But this is, I was just sitting with it and thinking, this is just so Julie. The fact that even when something did crop up, you're obviously just not sitting in that and going, oh, it's not going to happen. You were obviously, actually, I need to make this happen. There's, you know, I've, I've committed to doing this. And I think when you're a mother hustling work and careers, I think there's just this underlying next level of capability of that. And just today was testament of you being able to do that. You know, I know family is obviously really important to you. How has being a mother formed your career choice because obviously your career has been quite varied over the years being a mother as amazing as it is it does have its restrictions or maybe you know it's a it's a burning desire to keep doing things you know I'd love to just know a little bit about how your family has has had that impact on your career choices yeah it's you're exactly right and I think you know, for me in particular, not growing up with a nanny, I'm one of five in my family and my mother doing it all. I wanted to, in in many ways, replicate that with my own children, but at the same time have a career. And so, you know, there was that point that I would literally do, I don't even know how many school runs, but in between the school runs, And that's from nursery to primary school to secondary school in the morning, in the afternoon, in between that period, I thought, okay, I've got about six hours, let's say, yeah, a good six hours that I can just go for it. And I just thought, if I want to have it all, this family, and I want to be able to teach yoga and go down the well-being path and whatever else comes my way, I'm going to have to really utilize these six hours incredibly well and be incredibly efficient with it. So I think for me personally, it worked, but I was highly motivated that I would take my kids to their school and then do what I need to do for the six hours and then pick them up. Now, it's not to say that I was this perfect mother. You know, there were, it's always the youngest one. You know, one time, you know, I left my four-year-old, I picked up the other two at the same school so one daughter went to a different school. I picked up two of the boys. I went all the way home. I had kept getting unknown. Uh, it was unknown on my mobile phone. And I thought, I don't know what an unknown number is. I'm not going to answer it. It ended up being the school. It wasn't until 4.45 when my husband got a hold of me and said, I need you to look around. I think you forgot something. I'm looking around the house and I don't think I forgot anything. He said, you've actually forgotten a child. And, you know, and I did, I had to go back to the school. He was sitting on the blue sofa and had Mr. said, what happened? And I said, I just forgot him. You know, that was the truth. But so it's, you know, it's not perfect, but it's about accepting that it's not perfect and that's okay. And the kids will be okay. (laughs) Yeah. And they obviously are. 
when you were hustling, because I know, so I've had many clients who've come to see me for facials in London who have been clients of Julie, you know, and they, they go to your classes, your yoga classes, and all of them will say, oh, I've got to book in because it just books out. And if I don't book in, it's I'm not going to be able to get there. So I, I don't want to say cult. That's the wrong word. But you definitely managed to build up this, a bit of a frenzy and this just this really amazing reputation for what you were doing with your yoga. And obviously people were resonating with that. What was the driving force? Because I know we've mentioned hustle. The hustle to keep doing your yoga, which obviously is for you, but also for the people doing the yoga. I'd love to just talk about, you know, the driving force for where, where your mind was with that side of things. You know, when I completed my first teacher training back in 2009, we had to go around the room and everybody had to say why they wanted to teach yoga. And mine was because I'm teaching it because I never want anybody to feel as bad about themselves as I've felt about myself before. So it was a real... I think opportunity for me to be able to pass along these wonderful yoga teachings to other people who might be experiencing, you know, what I experienced, which was, you know, low self-esteem and very little self-confidence. You know, I, I was put, it's my Sunday night class. At one point, my Sunday night class had 80, I mean, 80 people for years. You would have to book in. It was the Sunday night class in London to go to. And I, I'm proud to say that. I don't think I necessarily realized what an effect it had until probably the pandemic when everything shut down. But I started, I took this Sunday night slot because I was a new teacher and nobody wanted to teach on a Sunday. And my husband said, no, 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 go ahead, take that slot. You just got into this big studio in London. So if that's the slot they're giving you, take it. I'll take care of the kids. So it was this seven to eight thirty slot on a Sunday. And I think I started with eight people and it grew quite quickly to 80 and you did have to book it in. And, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily me or how I structured the class, but I didn't play your sort of traditional yoga music. You know, you would, you, there was U2, there was Coldplay, there was Eminem coming out of there was journey there was 80s rock but i think at that time i was still you know i had young children at home and i was able to connect to a lot of other young mothers whose husbands or whoever they were getting that sunday night off just to sort of reset them but it wasn't just young mothers who were coming to the class it was you know lots of people I, there are times that i when it's sunday i think ooh gosh if i could just get that back one more time if i could just teach that one more time it would be a real treat. A few times you've mentioned about your husband encouraging you, just do it. It sounds like you've got a really supportive network there. Would you, know, would you say that's true and how important is that to, to you and I suppose your family, your career? Absolutely. I think, you know, many people who have, you know, read anything about my husband and I, and without going into too many details, you know, he was, he was ill for a very long time. Um, he was misprescribed pharmaceutical drugs as so many people are. And for a sinus operation that he had a bad reaction to, it was, it was a real harrowing period. And you just, I think 
women and when life, and I'm, I'm not singling out women as this, but when life really throws things at you, you have a choice. You can either go down that route of letting it sort of destroy you almost or affect you, or you can rise above it and think, right, what am I going to do with this situation? And how am I going to make it better? For me, it was all about making it better. And my husband was just very, very supportive in particular, uh, particularly when he was not very well saying, absolutely go out and do what you need to do. I do have this real supportive network, not just from my husband, but from my in-laws and from my children. And I think they also saw that during that trying period, you know, when somebody's ill, you need to have the tools to, to cope with it. And I think the children and my husband saw that not only was I teaching yoga because I was passionate about it, but I was also practicing it myself. And that is, you know, the real reason why I was able to get through that difficult period. I always tell people that yoga is the hub to everything I do. I have lots of spokes and uh, around that hub, but it, that all those spokes would fall apart if I didn't have the yoga. Has your yoga practice changed as you've aged? You know, that's a really good question, Abigail. Probably most people might be expecting me to say, yes, it's slowed down or, you know, I do more restorative, but I think, no, it hasn't. In fact, it's almost, it's gotten sort of to the other extreme. You know, I like to handstand. I like poses that are really rather difficult and I don't necessarily know how to do it. And I want to be able to learn how to do it because for me, the yoga poses represent in one sense where we are in life. It's not a, it's not a judgmental thing and it's not an attachment thing, but where I am still in life right now is I want to grow in my yoga practice and continue to evolve in areas in my life, in particular down the TV route. So the yoga poses for me are a challenge, just like the roles that I'm taking on in life, even as my kids get older, I'm, you know, I always say, don't worry, I'm not going to stop till I'm about 90. And, but that's who I am as a person. And so these, I like these yoga challenging poses because it helps me to challenge myself in life as well as on the mat. You see, I'm, I was kind of expecting that to be your answer because I've seen you on your social media and I don't get any sense of you kind of dulling down your yoga practice. Are there any yoga poses that you just don't vibe with that you kind of have to force yourself to do or you avoid? I don't avoid any yoga poses. I mean, I always try them. And in fact, I'm leaving next week to go to an intensive advanced teacher training. My teacher lives in Milan and I'm going with one of my best uh, yogi friends and it, it will be the hardest training I will have ever, ever done. And I will arrive and there will be poses that I physically probably can't do. But that's the thing about the pose. You, it doesn't need to look like that book. I always say to even my students, rather than saying, okay, I'm not even going to try this pose. I will try all of the poses and I will see where I get stuck. 
and how I might be able to maneuver it to make it work for my body. So it may not look like my next door neighbor on the mat, right? They might be doing it perfectly, but I can maneuver it in a way that I'm like, I'm still getting the same benefits. And I think that's what life is about. You might not be able to do something as well as that person or whatever it is, but you can maneuver it in a different way to make it suit you. And you might find that that is a real, I think, leap forward into you know, taking your life or your career or your journey to the next level. I love the passion that you talk about yoga, you know, that that really kind of just beams out of you. With the crazy schedule that you have going on in your life, is it still a daily practice for you? Yes, I couldn't be as chaotic and crazy as I am if I didn't have my yoga. And people always say, how do you fit it in? Will you just do? It's it's literally the thing in my diary that, and some days it's not like I do an hour and a half practice every day. Some days I'll be like, do you know what? I just am going to do 10 sun salutation A's and 10 sun salutation B's. And that's 30 minutes. I already know that that's 30 minutes. So that's a 30 minute practice for me. It goes with me wherever I go. So when I know that I'm heading on a walk, I'm like, okay, great. So I've got a 15 minute walk to the tube station and I'll switch my breath on and I'll do breath work while I'm walking. Any chance I get, I throw it in. And, and it's like, you know, next week I'm on this you know, teacher training course. It'll take up my entire week, but because I've scheduled it in, I've let everybody know I will not be able to respond to anything for a week. So I'm getting everything done this week so that I have this week of just focusing on me and my teaching and, and my yoga. Do you ever have days where you wake up and you're just like, oh, I'm just not feeling today? <laughs> and if you do, I know we talked about yoga. Are there any other things that you find really helpful to, to kind of gee you back up and get back on it? I've been asked this question before. Are there any days? <sighs> there are days that I feel less motivated. There aren't any days that I think I've just got to stay in bed for today, or I'm just going to go under my duvet, or I'm just going to do nothing. And I probably need to work on that, actually, Abigail, to be perfect. So that is probably a problem. If my husband were standing here, he'd say, problem is that my wife doesn't switch off and <laughs> she needs to sometimes switch off and just do nothing. But the, I think the way I'm built and the way my head works, that I like being switched on all of the time. Now, it doesn't mean that, I, like going back to what I said, that I there are days that I feel not as motivated as others. Absolutely. I also have this sort of mantra in me and it's crazy, but I just think I've got a day. So I woke up, I've got a day. I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. I literally have that ingrained in my head. So I'm just going to do what I can today. And that might be, again, slowing down a little bit, but I have it in my head I've just got to get it all done. And I like what I do. So I love teaching yoga. I love TV presenting. So for me, it's fun. It's enjoyable. I'm passionate about it. I think if those didn't exist and I wasn't passionate and having fun with what I was doing, you know, I would have answered that question completely different saying, yes, 
I do stay in my bed or I do slow down or I do lie horizontal on the sofa. But because I enjoy so much what I do, I go for it every single day. But again, it goes back to, am I, is it the same motivation every single day? No, there are things that definitely get me down and things don't work out and I get frustrated and angry. And I think, why isn't this going my way? But I never let it get me to that point where I just give up. I love that. You know, we've just, just got another day and you've, you've got to embrace it and enjoy it. It's, I, I, I use the phrase aging is a gift. Yeah. And each day it is exactly that. So I, I really love that. Talking of aging, how do you feel about the aging process? Uh, if Wikipedia is correct, I'm presuming you're about, are you 49? Yeah. Okay. So we've got, you know, that 50 coming up. I, you know, tell me, how are you feeling about it? So do you know what? Aging just doesn't phase me at all. Everyone's going to age. That's how I look at it. Like everyone will get to my age. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, so I think of it as a, a gift that I'm here and I think, great, bring it on. Bring me on to my 60s. Bring me on to my 70s. I just want to be able to get there. So I just think aging is a gift because I'm still here. And I also look at everybody else who's you know, still young. And I'm, I just think been there, done that, <laughs> been there, done that. I'm now at this phase and that how lucky I am to be here now. That's literally how I feel. I feel so lucky that I've made it to this age. And I'm presuming, you know, just because of friends and where your yoga practice was in, in London, you were Chelsea. And I'm presuming that around you, you have seen other females step into the Botox and fillers side of things. Do you have any views or thoughts on that side of the aging process? I mean, I try as a yoga teacher, I, I don't judge. I just think it's your body. If that is what you want to do with it, then th then that's your body. I know what I want to do with my body and I know what feels good in my body. And I want to do things the natural way. It, one of the one of the yamas is, you know, basically non-judging. So I just think and now do I have an opinion on when I see somebody who's had a lot of Botox and fillers, yeah, me personally thinks it probably doesn't look too nice because it just doesn't look right in my view. I wouldn't want to my face look like I want to, I mean, you can see right now, I mean, I know we're on a, on a podcast, but I'm very animated and, you know, lots of stuff going around on my facial expressions. I want to have those facial expressions. <laughs> I love that. And you mentioned you like natural. Instead of kind of delving into a full skincare routine, have you got one product or maybe I'll allow you three because I know sometimes it's difficult to come up with one you know that desert island type of product that you absolutely love yeah so I'm going to say chlorella I have been taking chlorella which is like spirulina but I think better for about seven years I take 30 it sounds crazy but they're tiny 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 30 tablets if you like I like my brand and I take 30 and I've been taking because that's what you can take. You can take between, I think it's 20 to 40 or something. And I take it religiously every single day. So I, I take chlorella. Interesting. And is that 20 or 30 
I know the tablets are small, but that's daily? Yeah, mm-hmm. we take a daily. Wow. <laughs> that's what it says on the package. Yes. Okay. I don't, I mean, I, I think it gives me a lot of energy. I think that's the other reason I'm quite energetic, but I was energetic prior to taking it. And I just know good things about putting algae in your body. You know, you can live off of it. You know, you could live in once it's that and water, you'd be fine. I know you're doing a lot of presenting. I know some of the TV shows when there's a royal event, they kind of will bring Julie out to, you know, comment and do that commentary. With that presenting, I know we've got an underlying tone of beauty and skincare with this particular podcast. Have you got any tips for prepping your skin before the makeup or, you know, because you're obviously in front of cameras. Have you got any little tips, tricks that you could share? So, you know, the, the trick that I use, and I have to say, I take it after my husband. My husband looks about, he does and he still has white blonde hair. He looks about 35. It dries me up a wall. But I um, mean, he is three years older than I am. He splashes cold water on his face morning and night. And so that is what I started to do a while ago. Before I put anything on my face, I splat nothing else, just cold water. And I don't know, but I feel like it does something, revitalizes it energizes it, but it's just a habit. I look at him and I think, how does he look so young? And I think it must be the cold water. (laughs) What do you think of that, Abigail, though? (laughs) I love cold water. And I actually have a cryo machine within my clinic, a proper cryotherapy. So we're dropping skin down to between naught and four degrees. So that's kind of a next level of cold therapy. But I think from a rejuvenation point of view, it's giving that immediate, it's constricting the blood vessels, it's supporting the lymphatic system, it will bring fresh nutrients internally to the skin. So it absolutely, it definitely has those skin benefits. But I'm pretty sure I've seen you getting into your, I don't want, I want to call it a pond, but you've got a, a freshwater pool or pond. Yeah. So that's a different kind of cold I know it's a bit more freshwater swimming but there's a cold element to that as well from an all over health did you have to dig that out or was it already there well luckily for us where we manage a historic house and I'll just give it a little plug but it's Matt Britton it's in southwest England it's in Dorset West Dorset and it's by according to Country Life since 2006, it's the nation's finest manor house. So we are open to the public. And one of the things that we have in our formal gardens was this wonderful, what we thought was an 18th century pool, which would have been used as a fishery. Now we've just had somebody do a, the whole a, sort of a big research, if you like, on Matt Britton. And he thinks that it's actually 16th century. So 200 years older than we thought. Now, because we've called it the 18th century pool for so long, we're just going to stick with it. But that was really a lockdown hobby, if you like, and motivation for me to start my day. I thought there's no visitors. This is the first time in you know, 30 years that we haven't had visitors to this house and in our gardens. So I started to go swimming in the pool. When I say swimming, it was so cold. You know, I go for, 
two minutes. And I always advise people, especially with wild swimming, cold swimming, you, you know, consult your doctor beforehand or get some advice beforehand. But I started doing two minutes and, and it's most revitalizing, energizing, awakening regime I've ever done before. And I've, I've, you know, stuck with it since, since April, 2020. So we've talked about, you know, family support and Mapiton. I've become a little bit obsessed with your YouTube channel. I think you and your husband are just so amazing to watch. And, you, you know, I, is that, was that a lockdown thing? You know, to tell us a little bit about your, your YouTube channel. So we have this YouTube channel called Mapperton Live, as in we're going live. But if you just, you know, if you search Mapperton on YouTube, it'll come up. Over the pandemic, we lost all visitor income. And, you know, and that is one of the main streams of revenues that helps to preserve this part of England's heritage. And that was completely wiped out. So we started doing virtual tours every Tuesday at four o'clock grab your cup of tea, and we would go YouTube live. So these were actually live tours of the history and the architecture of Matt Britton, but the history of the Montague family, the Sandwich family. And they started to grow, became really, really well-received and mostly American. From that, we decided, well, gosh, maybe we should document all of the repairs and restorations and leaks and some of the fun that goes around in preserving this part of England's heritage. And we started this YouTube channel just over a year ago, like properly, that we would put out episodes every Saturday and my husband and I would be in them. And it was really documenting what we do, but we have such fun together. I mean, he's very British, I'm very American. And so I think the dynamic of both of us together is rather unique. So the next thing you know, We've grown at such an, an incredible pace that we're over a hundred thousand subscribers. And you know, let me put it this way: for a small manor house, because that's what we are, and not known at all. You know, Americans know the big ones. You know, they know Downton Abbey, Highclere Castle. They know Blenheim. They know Chatsworth. No one in America had heard of Mapperton before. I certainly hadn't when I was over there. And, you know, we're really a, a David in all of these very large Goliaths of historic houses. And we've been able, through YouTube, to put ourselves on the map so that not only are we getting the video ad revenue and we have a whole community of supporters who support us monthly, which then feeds into preserving um, Mapperton, but the visitors that are coming to actually see the house and the gardens are coming from all over the UK, Australia, Canada, America, saying, we found you because of your YouTube channel. It's been a, an extraordinary run for us and something that we're really proud of that we've been able to make happen. So there's obviously so many strings to your bow. What's next? What's next, Abigail? That is such a good question. I, I think, you know, I'm really content where I am right now. You know, I'm still teaching yoga, still uh, presenting on my YouTube channel and presenting on historic houses, not just Matt Batin, but historic houses across the UK. Still a royal correspondent freelance, but I covered the, the uh, Platinum Jubilee for Sky News. But there's always something. I, I decided to embark on getting my master's in country house studies. So my 25,000 word dissertation is due next September. 
So I decided because I live in a country house and everybody thinks I must know so much about it because I live in it. And I know about that house, but I'm an American and I didn't grow up with this rich history that Britain has compared to, to my very new country in comparison. And that's a big project. And alongside that, I would like to write a book because my dissertation is about my husband's great-grandmother, the ninth Countess of Sandwich, who is an American like me, who married into the Montague family, who like me was, well, I will be the Countess of Sandwich one day. She became the Countess of Sandwich. And there's a lot of similarities there. Even though that was a hundred years ago, she was a big follower of Swami Vivekananda. So she embraced this yogic life. I mean, and she had four children and she's from Chicago, like I'm from. I mean, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. So that's my next big project is her. So where can people find you? I know you're obviously, we've mentioned social and bits and pieces, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to share with the listeners where they can specifically find you. I think the best place is probably Instagram or TikTok. You're on TikTok? I am on TikTok. It's where it's happening, isn't it? I bit the bullet, Abigail. And um, TikTok, I've slightly not obsessed about, but I do. It's really growing my TikTok. So I'm pleased. Yeah. So I find I'm posting more on TikTok these days than I am on on Instagram. It's try, it's, you kind of had to figure out what the balance is. But if you just search Julie Montague, no E on the end of Montague, you can find my TikTok and my Instagram. Do you ever stop <laughs> and appreciate or pat yourself on the back to say, do you know, you, you, you're doing well, girl. You, you know, I'm proud of myself. Do you ever have those moments? That's an interesting one, Abigail. I mean, they're far and few between. And it's not because I don't think that I've done a good job or I've come so far, but I just think I still have so much more I want to do. So until I get everything else that I want to do sort of done, then I think I will have that moment where I say, all right, do you know what? And maybe that's when I'm 90. You've made it this far. You've achieved this much. Well done you. Go and enjoy the next 10 years and let's hit 100. <laughs> well, I'm going to say well done you now. You know, a huge <laughs> high five to you. And thank you so much for this chat. I've loved this and I hope the listeners have too. So, you know, let's watch this space for what Julie does next. Thank you so much for listening to Knowing Me, Glowing You. I hope you enjoyed the chat as much as I did. If you'd like to learn a little more about what I do, you can always pop over to my website, abigailjames.com, where you can stay up to date with everything I'm up to. If you're into your skincare and well-being, I think you are really going to enjoy my latest book, The Glow Plan. It's a four-week plan to ageing well from the inside and out. If you enjoyed today's episode, it's really appreciated if you would subscribe and share the podcast with your friends and family. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode might have given a moment of welcome distraction from your day and offered a glimmer of inspiration and happiness. 